Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen. I'm joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Keith, last week we talked about the CBA, took a little break from the team outlooks. We're going to jump back into the team outlooks and some free agent positional uh, players that you know you think are top of the list to look at. But first off, uh, let's jump back real quick. Detroit Pistons, they announced yesterday that uh, Dwayne Casey is going to be moving to the front office. So now they are going to be looking for a new head coach. And we, our first podcast, we talked about the Detroit Pistons. So real quick, what is the uh, path outlook for the Pistons now that they are seeking a new head coach? Yeah, I think what you're going to see with the Pistons is that, I think they're caught a little bit in between. I They want to be a better team next year. We talked about that when we talked about them. They didn't trade Bogdanovich. They didn't trade Burks. That signals to me they're going to do what they can to start moving this rebuild forward. They're going to get Cade Cunningham back healthy. They're going to have another good high draft pick. So I think we're in a spot where we're going to see them start to move forward. So I would not be surprised if they went with a more established coach. But I think they can also maybe split the difference a little bit and say, you know, hey, let's run with somebody who can kind of still grow with this team. Because even though they kept Bogdanovich and Burks, it's not like those guys are going to be there for the next five or six years. This is, you know, we're talking the next two, three years at most for those guys of, you know, as they kind of help the team move forward. So I think we're in a spot where they, it wouldn't surprise me if they went with it, it maybe. I don't know that it'll be a you know, super experienced coach, but I don't know that it's going to be somebody completely off the radar either. Probably split the difference. Somebody who's been around for a while around the league, and that's how they'll move this forward. They didn't outright release Casey. He's moving to the front office. So does is that a sign that they, they like him in a leadership role? They just want to go uh, in a different direction that, than he might have done in, in a head coaching position? How are you reading that? Yeah, it's a little bit of a weird transition because it's not like the Brad Stevens one where he stepped in and is now running uh, the Celtics basketball operations. This is, he's just, I'm guessing this was more of a, hey, you have a great working relationship with Troy Weaver who runs the basketball operations. You're, you know, a good guy around the team. The players really liked him and all that. We'd like to keep you around, but Dwayne Casey's done this for a long time he's older he's probably ready to move on they're probably ready for a new voice on the sideline so let's just bring him in let's just kind of you know we're gonna have you around the team but I I don't think he's gonna be overly involved I don't think he'll have much say in personnel or uh, probably even the next coach or anything like that I think it's more just a play of hey let's keep you involved around the organization because he's a well-liked figure there all right so let's transition to the second team that you posted about Houston Rockets they're actually in a, you know, interesting predicament themselves. They declined Stephen Silas's fourth-year club option, team option, so they are now looking for a new head coach. So with that and their young roster, what direction do you see them going in? Yeah, we're hearing out of Houston that they're going to go for an experienced coach. They're they're trying to bring somebody in who's kind of been there done that and, and been around and a couple couple guys there they're you know reporting looking at are like Ime Udoka, Kenny Atkinson, Frank Vogel, Nick Nurse if he moves on from the Raptors which seems a little more likely each and every day so I think we are in a position where you're going to see them go get an experienced head coach and that's often the way these things go sometimes what happens is these teams will hire a first-time head coach it doesn't necessarily go great. And then it's, they, they like, well, we got a course correct. We got to go with somebody experienced who's been around. And I think that's not the end of the world, right? I think that's fair uh, to some extent, but I also think the other piece with Houston is this to me may signal uh, we're a little impatient with this rebuild. We're ready to start pushing forward. We've heard the James Harden stuff. You know, if they, they hire an experienced head coach, that probably is more, lends more credence to the James Harden's coming along with, with that, that coach, because James Harden's not going to want to come in and play for a first first time head coach on a team with a bunch of kids and all that. So I'm very curious to see, because I think once 
they hire a coach, we can start to see them chaining these moves together in a way of like, all right, this gives us a much clearer picture of where they're headed this offseason. Based on the roster that you've watched all season, they're young kids with, you know, sprinkled with some sort of vets in there. (laughs) Sprinkled is the exact right term (laughs) because there's very few. (laughs) What direction do you think personally they should go? Should they go with that younger head coach or should they go with the veteran head coach to pivot towards, you know, the the quicker rebuild? Yeah, this is, I I think it's easy to kind of, Forget, we're only in year two of this full rebuild because when they hired Steven Silas and brought him in to lead the team, we we were in a spot where it was um, James Harden was still there. And then Harden decided he didn't want to be there. That dragged, I think people forget, that went all the way into January, that, that situation. So they didn't really fully lean into, all right, we're starting this rebuild until last year. And then this year happened. Um, so I tend to think when you've gone this direction, I I rather see teams see it through. I, I understand, though, that they get impatient. And then they are ready. Let's move. Well, let's go. And it's and it's hard if it's a guy like James Harden, who's still an all star level guy, still probably has another year or two of potential all NBA level in him to say, now nah, we're not interested. We, we don't want to go. And that, especially then you layer in his history with the team as well. So I get that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Jabari Smith Jr. He made major strides as the year went along. Jalen Green, I think, is starting to figure things out. I'm not the biggest Kevin Porter Jr. guy, but he's not bad. I like uh, Alperin Shingun quite a bit um, on that team. So they've got a lot of guys. Otari Eason, I don't want to leave him out because he's a lot of fun. So they've got all these kids that I like. My fear is what they're going to do is, well, we're going to get James Harden. We're going to get a veteran coach. And then we're going to package together two, three, four of the kids and go. And we're going to start moving in a different direction to bring in uh, vets around Harden. And I just don't know where that's going to land them. I I, kind of wonder, are they looking at it as, you know, the West is pretty wide open. We could flip this very quickly, get right into contention in the Western Conference. But I I just, I, I don't know. It's just not a direction I'm overly comfortable with, especially where Harden's at in his career. It's not like you're signing a guy who probably has five great years left in him. Probably has about two really good years left in him. Then we're probably going to start to see a pretty, uh, you know, good decline out of him. Yeah, it's very rare to see teams really have patience for a rebuild in the sense that it's more than two years. I mean, a full rebuild of four or five years. And if they sort of time this right, being like you said, being in the West, not only with, you know, uh, the aging vets, you know, you never know what happens from trades of shifting. So things could shift back, you know, to the East and, you know, but more so with that aging vet, I mean, you have LeBron, KD's getting up there and he's having injury stuff. Uh, Lillard has had injury history. Um, I'm sure there's a handful of others that I'm missing off the top of my head right now. But what I'm trying to get at is if they prolong and really build this core for another two or three years, by the time they're ready to really pounce, the rest of the West and some of the, the league itself a lot of these older vets aren't necessarily going to be in the league. So if they have that patience, which we rarely see in teams now because it's an on-demand society, you know, they may be in a better situation then than trying to uh, expedite something that isn't there now. Yeah. And that's it. So, I mean, it's, it's really hard. Like you said, teams don't have, a stomach to rebuild long-term. It's pretty rare that we get that. So yeah, I, I think we're in a spot where it is very much a, a position with the Rockets of, well, you know, which direction do you really want to go with this? Because it just is a, you know, a difficult place to, to, to be with them. But I, I don't know. I tend to lean when you've gone that direction, let's continue down that path. I don't necessarily want to be, you know, you know, getting all back into the James Harden uh, you know, world and circus and everything that goes along with that. I'd rather, you know, see this thing through. You're going to get another good draft pick here. You know, let's see what that looks like. And that could potentially change everything 
right? They, right. They, if they, they land one Banyama, then all of a sudden it might be like, all right, you know, now we can because we're going to have fan interest. We're going to have everything we need and we can see this rebuild through a little bit further. So they have quite a bit of cap space that they could use <laughs> yeah. in one way or another. Um, so they could go free agency. They could go uh, qualifying offer. I mean, they have what, 50 some million in space. So yeah. what's the best way to use that space if at all? Yeah, so obviously the one path is the Harden path, right? Where you give most of it to him and then the rest is going to be used of probably bringing in a second veteran guy and then you're making trades and you're doing your other things to, to bring in vets. But yeah, I think we're in a position with the Houston Rockets where what we see out of them is this is a team that is, how do I put this? This is a team that is at, They've got a lot of interesting decisions to make. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. missed out on a games played, uh, well, uh, essentially incentive that would have bumped his salary up. That creates about $2 million more in space. But on the flip side, they've got an interesting situation with Kenny Martin Jr., who's had a really nice breakout year for the Rockets and has played really well, where they have a team option. They can bring him back for $1.9 million. Then they'd be really set up, you know, well with a ton of cap space and a good player. But then he's an unrestricted free agent next summer in the summer of 2024. Their other option, which we've seen teams go down this route time and time again, is they decline their option on Martin, um, let you bring him into free agency this summer, but as a restricted free agent, where then they can control the process, they can kind of keep things uh, moving there. Because if he kind of continues on this upward uh, progression, it may get a little bit difficult in the summer of 2024 to retain him. So that's a decision point that they're, they're going to have to make. They're free agents. Probably, you know, guys like DJ Augustine, Willie Cauley-Stein, Frank Kaminsky, Boban, they're going to let all those guys walk, at least initially. They may bring one or two of them back to kind of flesh out the roster uh, around the, the kids if that's the direction they go. Um, beyond that, their challenge mostly, uh, more than do we go hard and do we not go hard, it's starting to run into roster spots. They've drafted seven players in the first round the last two seasons. So that's, you know, really kind of unheard of. And then they've had a couple of second round hits and undrafted hits and guys that they've just done well with there. So they're in a spot where it's, you start to get into a little bit of a roster crunch. What are we going to do? So I think it could be if they go the non-hardened path, the path is probably let's eat some salaries from other teams in exchange for draft picks or whatever it is. And we'll build up. Maybe you, you sign a couple targeted veterans. That's like, now we could really use another shooter. We could use one more big, or one more ball handler, whatever it is, just guys who can come in, kind of be good locker room influences, help you grow this thing forward. But again, I think a lot of it's going to tell us what's the coach hire. What does that look like? Then we're going to start to see, all right, I think we know what this path looks like moving forward. With Kenny Martin Jr., is it, what's the financial difference um, from if they exercise the option or didn't? Uh, like, are they able to uh, do a veteran extension? Because I know he's on a what a four-year deal that he did a mid-level. Mm -hmm. uh, so, is he extension eligible? Would that help the situation to sort of lock him into a more team-friendly long-term? money that they could potentially flip uh later on or what's what what would the play be with that yeah they could do that i think what what could be the path here especially if they're looking to maximize cap space would be to pick up that option keep him for one more year which would be at about 1.9 million then extend him after that that's i like to call it the dinwiddie extension that's the that's that's my own made up term for this because it's it's what uh, Spencer Dinwiddie signed um, with the Brooklyn Nets and that would end up being probably because uh, he would sign this actually next season so that would likely end up somewhere in the range of sixty ish million or so um, probably slightly more than that probably around sixty two probably no more than sixty five 
So that's what you'd be looking at over four years. Now the question is, you got to say, all right, well, we like Kenya Martin Jr. How much do we like him? You know, there, and you don't have to give him all of that. Obviously, right? It can be, it, it could be, you know, a little bit less than that, and you you could feel pretty good on that one. Like we just saw, Charlotte Hornets gave Nick Richards um, a, an extension where they basically similar type situation they said yeah we're not going to go into free agency with this guy uh this summer and they gave him five million dollars for each of the next two seasons and then a non-guaranteed five million dollar deal to end martin's probably worth more than that but so you split the difference right between that that full amount where he's getting about 15 million in the five and you could probably get something in the nine 10 million range that keeps him in a nice uh contract moving forward then you get down to is he going to bet on himself and say uh, I'd rather, you know, hit free agency. I think I can get 15, 20 million, you know, if I have another really good year. So that that's kind of the negotiation point there uh, with, with him. But I think that may be a way they try to maximize their cap space this summer is do that, try to get an extension. Or they may just say, hey, we want to maximize our cap space. And then you may get caught up in the swirl anyway. So we'd rather have you at 1.9 than dealing with restricted free agency and all that mess this summer. Makes sense. Uh, as far as the free agents, they're free agents going into this offseason and their own themselves. Nothing to really write home nope. about, mostly minimum salary guys. Are there any of those guys that they should target to retain or should they just let them go by the wayside? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. The, the whole signing Willie Cauley sign at the very end of the year thing was a very weird that thing there, um, you know, my guess is that was just a reward for him for being a guy who kind of toiled through the year in the G League for for them this year. So it's it's four veteran guys. It's Collie Stein, DJ Augustine, who I don't know that he even got into a game after they signed him a few weeks ago. Uh, Frank Kaminsky and Boban um, Marjanovic. So in, in that case, I think you may you could see maybe one or two of them back. Maybe, you know, Augustine, you know, if he wants to play in the year, they could probably bring him back and say, hey, you know what? We like your influence on Porter and Green in a very young backcourt. Uh, we've got Ty Ty Washington. We've got Josh Christopher. Uh, we we want to kind of continue to grow those guys. But your ideal as a veteran backup guard, uh, Boban's just beloved. They, they, if you remember, they waived him at the trade deadline and then immediately re-signed him. That was just a roster thing. They had to create a roster spot. So when they waived him, then they immediately went back and uh, brought him back in. So I could see him coming back too, just as a you know kind of beloved guy. I think he's also been a really good influence for guys like Alperin Shingun, Tari Eason, um, Usman Garuba. So I, I think you could see those guys back, but that's a where are we going kind of thing with this? And again, roster spots are going to be a concern uh, for this team. They've got to start to figure that part of it out because they're, they're um, coming into to this draft with two more first round picks. We'll see you know, where they ultimately land in the lottery, but then they also have another pick coming their way. So that that's going to be something where we're going to have to really see are they they going to hit a roster crunch that prevents them from bringing these vets back or does that solve itself through trades and other things is there a specific league-wide free agent that you think would fit really well on this team as a plug and play around that core young uh young players that are developing yeah, well, see, you put that criteria on it because I was going to cheat and just say James Harden, right? And it made this very easy. Um, around the kids, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think then you kind of look at, like, what, what is it that you need um, there? I, I think that was, could... a, that was another question I had, too, so that you can bundle both together. What what are areas of need between free agency or draft that they should target? Like you said, their, their roster is, uh, you know, filling out quickly so between draft and free agency with the amount of draft picks they have they're mm-hmm. quickly going to run out of space to even retain the drafted guys so yeah so, I, I i think another wing would, would be good for them i i wouldn't mind if they wanted to uh, be a team that said you know what we're gonna do we're gonna play in restricted free agency this is obviously assuming they don't go the Harden route if they say, you know, hey, we're we're going to go and then make it really tough on the Lakers with Austin Reeves, you know, throw him a, a maybe even a little bit of an overpay in a deal and say, hey, you want a match? That's on you. I think a guy like Cam Johnson could be great 
uh, for this team with, with what they need. You know, one more wing that can really shoot it. So that way, as you're starting to develop you know, Porter and Green into more trust in their guys, throw one more guy in the mix there. Because I'm not sold that someone like um, – uh, like Martin is really the true answer at the three for them. I think they made it work this year, um, but I don't know that that's the way I would move this thing forward. I think he's much more of a four um, than, than a three. So I think guys like that, you know, maybe you, you could craft really fun offer sheets and really make it tough on their teams. You could, if they wanted to go a little bit bigger, you could do that with like a Grant Williams or maybe even a PJ Washington. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're a fun team to look at and say, Hey, you know what? Let's make you work on Austin Reeves. Let's make you work on uh, Cam Johnson. Let's make you really have to think. And then if you wanted to go the unrestricted route, a guy like Josh Hart could be good for them where he's still young enough to kind of fit in with, with this group, but come in, really fill a need as someone who can play out there on the wing and, and do some stuff. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is another guy. If you know he might get priced out of Golden State where they may just not be able to uh, give him a big enough contract. I think if you're the Rockets, you're in a position too where as long as you keep it to a one or two year deal, you could pay these guys almost anything, even you know twenty five million, just because that might be the way to get them. Not the restricted guys that you're going to have to do you know the full deal. You're going to have to give them four years and probably quite a bit amount of money. But any one of these other kind of mid-career vet guys, as long as you keep it short contract, you could pay them whatever because it they they'll retain their tradeability then you'll 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 you don't sacrifice long term uh you know cap uh flexibility and those kind of things so there's a bunch of interesting targets for these guys if that's the direction they want to go anything else we need to know with the houston rockets before we move on to the spurs no i'll just reiterate watch the coach hire because that's going to kind of tell us everything. If if they go with a younger coach that's maybe a first time or, you know, kind of second chance guy, that may lean a little bit more towards, all right, we're we're doing this still rebuild thing. Um, but if they go with, if it's Nick Nurse or Frank Vogel or probably even Ime Udoka, you're probably looking at, all right, they're probably bringing in some vets and they're going to start to push this rebuild forward very rapidly. Yeah, it's a good way to read the tea leaves <laughs> based off that yep. and how quick they do with, uh, you know, the draft being two months away here. Exactly. So. All right, San Antonio Spurs is the most recent team that you've posted here uh, on SpotTrek.com. What direction are the Spurs going in? Because I have no clue what the Spurs <laughs> are doing at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's rebuild uh, time here. And now what they're – they probably – Alongside the Charlotte Hornets, um, which we're not doing them today, but the Hornets just, they, they need to keep LaMelo Ball happy. And if you're selling the team, uh, which is now there's been some reporting that maybe Michael Jordan isn't selling the team, but if he's going to sell the team, nothing better to sell the team with than Victor Wembanyama and LaMelo Ball. But other than the Hornets, the Spurs need a star. They have a lot of really nice young players. Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, Malachi Branham. Um, these guys are all fun young players, but none of them are stars. None of them project to be an all-star. If they could get Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson, it's really important they stay one or two because what they, they need is a big and they need a point guard. And you can get one of those two guys there. So if they're one or two, they're going to be in a great place to get those guys um, because they're projected by almost everybody to be the top two. Then the whole next string of guys are all kind of wing forward type players. And that's, they're stocked at those spots. So I think it's really important for them. And obviously there's no, they have no control over it now. They've done everything they can do. But land a star in this draft and just keep moving forward around the kids because they are they're they are not in a position to add a bunch of talent. They're probably not going to fast forward things. Greg Popovich, um, we'll see if he's back or not. He didn't really lean one way or the other. He kind of gave hints of he might be back because he talked about the, the enjoying the process and working with the kids and all those sorts of things. So I think we're in a spot where it's going to be, um, you know, just, just keep keep moving forward with the youth. They, they, it'll be 
use their cap space creatively to take on some contracts, maybe, maybe pick off an undervalued free agent or two, like they did with Zach Collins and Doug McDermott. See if you could kind of rebuild their value a little bit, but for the most part, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, keep, keep moving forward with what you got, hopefully with a star to build around. Yeah. They have the third most cap space going into the off season. So you briefly mentioned about using that cap space, they're not a team that is necessarily the go-to team for free agents to want to go there. So could you see them building like you're saying, but potentially use that cap space in a trade to just absorb a, a large salaried star? Or do they just not use the cap space, just sort of Oklahoma City Thunder-ish you know, a few years ago where they were always – middling at the very bottom or close to the cap floor. Um, is there a creative way that the Spurs could use the cap space or should they just let it be? Yeah, I think, think you'll see them rent some cap space for, for some guys. They they did a little bit of that this summer. They, they took on uh, Danilo Gallinari's contract in that trade that sent DeJounte Murray um, over to, to, the, to the Hawks. And that was salary matching, but then they immediately waived. Gallinari. Uh they they ate uh, Dwayne Deadman's deal. Small, but for only four point seven million. But they ate that contract in the uh mi- middle of the, the season. They did that with Noah Vonley, another small deal, um, to get there. So I think that may be what we see is them just kinda keep things moving a little bit where it's all right, you know, hey, we we've got, you know, we, we project them at right now at about let's say 45.7 million or so they may say you know geez we we don't have a ton of roster spots to fill because we've got a pretty full roster with with our kids and that so let's uh re-sign trey jones because we like him we've developed him maybe we bring back uh the big guy sandro um (laughs) sandro mamuklashvili um they might bring him back um and then just say it's, you know, what we're going into, you know, this kind of, you know, continue the development cycle with, with these guys. They ate Ken Birch's salary. That's the other guy I couldn't come up with. I was like, who was it? Because he's got money carrying into next year. Devontae Graham was kind of a, hey, we'll trade Josh Richardson's expiring deal and we'll take on the extra money to get a better asset. So they did that as well. So I think we're going to see more of that out of the Spurs versus going all in and spending a bunch of money on free agents this summer because I just don't think that's where they're at in terms of this full rebuild. And it's important, again, to remember, this is only kind of going into year two for them of the full rebuild because they were in the play-in tournament, just not not this year, but the season a season ago. So even though they weren't a very good team, they were still there. So So that's another thing to think. Even though they've missed the playoffs four years, in a row. And Scott, I'm going to give you a little little tidbit. I slipped this into the piece. Four years in a row, they've missed the, the postseason, missed the playoffs. That matches the total amount of times they missed the playoffs throughout their NBA run up until then, which is just incredible, the run of success. Yeah, they that, that's absolutely bonkers right? that they were that good for that long, and then all of a sudden it's just rock bottom. Um, Ro- Romeo Langford, he has high – you know, cap hold. Is he a, a guy that the Spurs, because you already mentioned Trey Jones and some of these other uh, free agents of their own, but Langford, he's a restricted bird. Do they just let him go? Do, is there a market for him? Uh, what do they do with him? Yeah, I, he just can't stay healthy. That goes back to his time with the Celtics. He had injuries right. again this year in San Antonio. I think this is probably one where if you're the Spurs, if you can hit it early in free agency and say, hey, we'll bring you back at, I don't know, six, seven million a year, something in that range for a couple seasons, you'll probably jump on it and do it just because he's still young. He's only 23. Uh, so you you get a chance to look at him. He turns 24 right at the start of next season. So you'll be able to be in a spot, hey, let's get another kind of almost free look add him not free but we got to spend the money on somebody right so we'll, we'll bring him back he did show signs of doing more with the spurs in the you know year and a half that he's been there since getting there after the trade deadline but it's one of those things where it's you're, you're not going to go to great lengths 
to bring him back. It's going to be, okay, we can roll you back in here, throw you into that wing group and go. But they're pretty flush on the wing, too. You've got Devin Vassell, uh, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan. Those guys can all play on the wing. Malachi Branham, Blake Wesley, they're trying to kind of force him to be in a point guard, but he's probably more of a two than he is a one. So you're really in a spot with this Spurs group where it is. It's, it's, you, you got to be kind of smart about the way you build out your roster and Langford may get caught up. And we've just got a lot of other wings. We like a little bit more than we like him. So similar to the Houston Rockets with the free agents, is there a league free agent that you think would fit really well with the Spurs if they were to use that cap space and pursue somebody? Yeah, not, it's just so hard to see them going that route that, that it's really becomes hard to, to say, yeah, there's a guy who makes a ton of sense for for that team. I, I think again, you could maybe play in in the uh, you know restricted free agent market a little bit. Let's say they decided you know we really like Kobe White or Io DeSumo. Uh, you could you could do that if they felt like hey you know Austin Reeves can do more in an on ball role. You could jump in and then play in that. And again, and we know Pop would love nothing more than kind of tweaking the Lakers. But their their biggest issue is their needs are at the the big spot and the ball handler spot, and it's just not a great free agent class to even find kind of the undervalued guys there. Like they grabbed Zach Collins as a rehab project basically, and it's worked out phenomenally. Like he he has been absolutely terrific uh, for them. So that that's been huge to see, uh, you know, him play so well. But I think it's uh, one of those things where as we kind of look at it with um with uh with the other free agents it's like all right do we want to get a guy like Nas Reed and plug him in there we can you know maybe overpay a little bit and force you know the wolves to kind of say all right well we can't have too much invested in the center spot with Gobert and with Towns so we're going to let him move on um point guards could you get in on a guy like Dennis Smith Jr had a kind of a rebirth in Charlotte and say, Hey, we're, we're interested in, let's see if we can kind of keep this thing moving for a guy who's you know going to be 26 around the start of next year. Let's go. Gabe Vincent, another guy, you know, younger, not super young, but young ish player uh, from, from the Miami heat. You know, he's, tw- he's going to be 27, but doesn't have a lot of years in the NBA. You know, could we go, go with that? But the main guys that, you know, uh, James Harden's, Chris Middleton's, Kyrie Irving's, you know, Kyle Kuzma. They're just not going to be in the mix for those guys because those guys aren't going to be overly interested in going to San Antonio right now. Yeah, the last big free agent that I can remember going to San Antonio was LaMarcus Aldridge, and mm-hmm. that was years ago, yep. and that was a, a, a big to-do. Last thing I have outside of other things you need to know from your end is – what's the status of pop? Is he here for a long haul? Is he here for just a few more years? What is your sense on, on pop? Because I think that could hinder or help the direction of this team as they rebuild. Yeah. I, I really don't have one. And that's not uh, talking to people who cover the team, talking to people who have covered, covered pop for years, just on the national level. No one really seems to have a great feel for what he's going to do. It seems like for the most part, he is in a spot where it's going to be, you know, if, if he wants to come back, of course, they're, they're going to be very happy to have him, have him back and that they, they will be you know, thrilled to go in that direction. Um, but I think it's just going to be, Hey, he's going to make his decision. Now, he did say some stuff leading into their last game and after about, you know, yeah, you, you, you get back in the gym and you enjoy the work and, and you do those kind of things. And I think that is um, him sending a little bit of a message of like, Hey, don't, uh, you know, don't, 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 don't start writing your pop calls it a career stories just yet. Uh, I think he very much is leaving it in a position where, you know, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, still, still around. I'm still going to be doing some stuff. So I think we're in a spot where, yeah, let's see what that looks like because I think for him, it it is a situation where it is um he still does enjoy it. I, I always wonder whenever we get to these points with the older coaches. Hey, I remember this is college football, but uh, 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 Bobby Bowden and Joe Paterno saying like, "I'm not a football coach. What am I?" 
right? Like, like, and they, they just didn't know what to do with themselves after. And, um, you know, so I wonder if that's a little bit with pop, but he's like, and we know he's got outside interests and, you know, all sorts of things. And then of course he cracked a joke of like, Hey, I, I buy, buy and drink too much expensive wine to retire. I got to keep working. Then I think that might be his way of like, Hey, I'm going to be back. Cause I think he's still enjoying the grind of this is a different challenge for him now. Anything else we need to know at the San Antonio Spurs that we haven't already touched upon? No, just if you are a Spurs fan or you want to see them get back, just keep your fingers crossed at the lottery that they they, they come up one or two and get Wambanyama or Henderson because those two guys are both perfect fits for where they want to go. Uh, in that order, obviously, uh, Wambanyama first, then, then Henderson. But, yeah, that, that's that's what they need. They, they need that star power coming in there to drive this thing forward. All right, uh, let's shift to positional free agents. We have three positions already posted, two more coming soon here. Uh, we'll go in the order that we, we've posted them. You've done a ton of work on these positional free agents. You've been writing up blurbs, ranking them. We've been posting them in that order, uh, saying if they have, uh, if they're a free agent, unrestricted free agent, restricted free agent, if they have a club or a player option, all that good stuff. Starting with the power forwards, how does the depth of the power forwards look going into this offseason? Yeah, it's one of the deeper groups uh, this year in free agency because it's got a little bit of little bit of star power at the top. And Draymond Green, uh, Jeremy Grant, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, um, what, what we do when we do these, and this is something, this is how teams do this. Not exactly this way always, but, but you bucket players into tiers, and it's all-star, starter, rotation, and fringe. Quick definition on those, all-star players are obviously what they sound like. doesn't necessarily mean they were an all-star, but it's they can play at an all-star level. Uh, starters are guys who are starters or starter level. Like, for example, for years, Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams were starter tier guys, even though they both came off the bench. It's just the impact that they have that they, that you do that. And then you have the uh, rotation guys. Those are guys that can be in your rotation or they're young, but you project a potential rotation role. And then fringe guys are exactly what it sounds like. Guys that are on the fringe outside of the NBA. So in the power forward group, I've got three guys in the all-star tier, Draymond Green, Jeremy Grant, Chris Apps, Porzingis. Uh, it's re- really you know good high-end talent there. Then right behind them, Harrison Barnes, Kenya Martin, P.J. Washington, uh, three good starters. If you go and look, you'd probably be a little surprised and say, oh, I, those, those guys were better than I thought. And I think Porzingis, anybody who's maybe been down on him would look at that. And then the depth is pretty good throughout you've got a whole bunch more uh rotation guys i'm not going to name them all but a couple ones that are interesting grant williams in restricted free agency george niang who's just a really nice solid role player um out there uh, for this jalen mcdaniels we'll see if a, a nice playoff run with philly can can kind of lift him and then the guy who's kind of become my favorite player in this group we just talked about the spurs Keita bates diop he has played really, really well. And if you believe that his shooting is real, then you're going to be in a spot where, all right, we feel like we, we can you know throw some money at this guy. And he may be one of those guys where it's on its face this summer. Everybody may be like, wait, he got how much? And then you may look at him and be like, wow, actually, that makes sense. He, he is a lot better than what I thought he was. So out of this list, which player do you think will be the most sought after? Probably... <laughs> Well, if Draymond Green is really available, it'll probably be him. Be just because I think you may see him, uh, you know, be somebody that teams are like, let's go, let's go get him, let's, you know, try to make this happen. I kind of, despite some of the stuff that's been out there, kind of have my doubts that it'll be him. I, I think he's not gonna. I think he'll just stick with the Warriors in the end. So it'll probably be Jeremy Grant, uh, just because he is somebody that. We'll see if Portland wants to keep him or not. Um, that's kind of an interesting place uh, for, for him. And then let, let's see if anybody wants to get involved and try to make the Celtics sweat on Grant Williams. 
I think those are kind of three guys that I think are maybe uh, in play, and, and we'll see because I think I think Porzingis is already you know buzz that he's going to get something done with Washington. He's probably a good candidate to we we might see one of those extensions uh, all the way you know on the thirtieth that gets signed and he moves into another year with, with the with the Wizards. So we'll see what that looks like. But I I I think uh, you know probably Jeremy Grant ends up ultimately being the guy who. You know, we'll, we'll see if Portland's put in a spot where, all right, do we want to go to 25 or 30 million for Jeremy Grant and four years uh, on our books and really lock into him? Or are we, you know, we got to reset. Damian Lillard just came out and said, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that no more kids. Like, let's get some vets. Like, I want to, I want to make a real run at this. So, you know, take, which take is interesting because they didn't they offer Grant an extension and he declined it during the season. Yeah, that that was the rumor as they offered him what they could and and he didn't didn't go forward with it. So we'll see, yeah, where that comes back around for him this summer as right. a free agent. Most teams have spent smartly for the last few years, but and, you know, there's always that one or two teams that will overpay. <laughs> so who who of this list is most likely to get overpaid and we look at him like, "Ooh, that one hurts." I I don't want to go right back to him, but I think it might be Jeremy Grant. I I, okay. I just feel like you were at a spot with him now where he's he's twenty eight, or I guess he's twenty nine, just turned twenty nine. So you're kind of getting into the all right. Where are we going to go if that athleticism slips at all? Is the skill level enough? He did have a better year in Portland, uh, even if his counting stats were down. He refound his efficiency, not having to be kind of the guy um, that created everything there. So, you know, he he's somebody who I think you could see, uh, you know, there. I, I worry about guys like Niang and McDaniel's, uh, who are coming off of uh, playoff teams that are unrestricted free agents. Sometimes teams are like, "Ooh, we we like that guy." Now he's got playoff experience, and they throw some money money at him. So I, I don't know that there's a ton of you know, uh oh, you know, con- you know, groups in in or players in this group rather, um, because I think it's they're all teams should be fairly reasonable on him, but Grant's probably the biggest one. Last question with the power forwards. Uh, which player, and maybe it's a player that you haven't mentioned already, do you think could have the, the most impact if they were on the right team? Yeah, I think it might be Bates Diop. I think, you know, he has really shown a lot over the last uh, year plus in San Antonio. Uh, all right, there's something here. So I, th- I think think it could be could be him because I think a lot of these other guys have already kind of already found their 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 place in the in the league and i think they're all in pretty good spots where where him i could see a, you know a smart team lifting him out of the spurs throwing him in a playoff rotation and moving forward actually i lied i have one more question sure this player this player just jumped out at me and jalen mcdaniels with the 76ers is kind of interesting to me they made that trade at the trade deadline with uh what charlotte and mm-hmm. is he a player that philadelphia will most likely just bring back or is that a player that you might see somewhere else i think a lot of it depends on what happens in the harden situation if 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 harden stays there and then you're in a spot where all right yo our best path forward now is to kind of run it back because we don't have cap space we don't have a ton of flexibility then i think he there's a good chance they 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 bring him in i trust because it's Daryl Morey and a pretty smart front office, they'll get him on a fairly reasonable number, um, which is going to be really important for him. But yeah, I, I think there is a, a chance that's the way that goes down. If Harden's back, if he's not, then Philly may kind of say, hey, you know what, let's go a slightly different direction. Let's let's reset a little bit here around Joel Embiid. And that could uh, end up seeing somebody like McDaniels moving on. All right, point guards was the second uh, positional group you posted about. I find this group very interesting with the names that are here. I mean, you've got players like Kyrie Irving, Fred Van Vliet, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, even in your rotation group, you've got like Kobe White, who you know has been trade rumored forever, and I don't think he necessarily has met the ceiling that a lot of people had anticipated. Trey Jones, who we just talked about with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the depth from your eyes with the point guards? It's not quite. Uh, Kyrie is obviously in a 
kind of him and James Harden in a class of their own in free agency is the, the very best free agents. But when you take him out, your next guy is Fred Van Vliet. Those are the kind of only two guys that are like on the all-star level. And Van Vliet, that's questionable. Is he really on that level or not? He may be more of a starter than all-star. I, I tend to be a little bit higher on him just because of his ability to play on and off the ball. Uh, then it's D'Angelo Russell. So you're pretty solid. Then your next two starter level guys are Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, who are both far closer to the end of their careers than they are to, to, which is why I skipped them in my (laughs) picking players. (laughs) But I think that just kind of gives you a sense of, all right, there's not a whole lot here for starter level guys. Like it's just, you know, we're, we're pretty limited because I mean, and and someone's going to counter back with, well, didn't Russ come off the bench almost all year, but again, he's still a starter level guy starting for the Clippers and, you know, there. So I think what you're looking at here is then it is kind of backup roulette where you're like, all right, I kind of like Dennis Schroeder. I kind of like Javon Carter. I kind of like Trey Jones. Maybe Kobe white could pop. Um, you know, those are the kind of guys you're looking at a little bit there where it's like, all right, I kind of like these guys. And then, you know, then it drops off, you know, very, very quickly after, you know, your, your first handful of players here. So it's, it's a, you know, high end talent is there, um, but it's very few. And then it drops very, very quickly into okay backups and then into, all right, if they're my fourth guy, I feel okay. Sounds like Dallas is going to do everything they can to keep Kyrie, but outside of him, who who's the most sought after that you think teams are going to really target? Yeah, I think you know, on the high level, it's going to be Fred Van Vliet. There's a sense that the Raptors may be ready to start moving into whatever their next phase is, whether that includes Nick Nurse uh, moving on or not. It seems like they're ready to do some roster uh, upheaval there in Toronto. And I think Van Vliet's a guy, a lot of teams are going to probably look and say, all right, let's go in for some of the cap space teams. He kind of makes some sense for a handful of them. If you get, get into it, cause that's the other thing. If it sounds great to say a player is really good, but then somebody has to pay them. And then, you know, so you look at it, we, could we do the dance with Detroit again? Right. We already had that uh, leading into a summer where it was like, will they, or won't they, you know, sign Van Vliet. And then he ultimately stayed in Toronto Orlando, they've given some signs of maybe going in a slightly different direction. They seem to like their young guards, but you know, we, we could see it go that way. San Antonio, I don't know that Van Vliet's where they want to spend their money. Same thing with Utah. So then it starts to become, all right, are there sign and trade possibilities? But I think he's going to be somebody that teams are certainly going to be uh, at least passingly or have a passing interest in uh, with that. But then you get into the lower guys. I think Dennis Smith Jr. has re- kind of reclaimed his career, gotten things on track. I think he's going to draw some interest. I think you could see a guy like Gabe Vincent draw some interest from, from some teams. Um, and then one guy who I think really has a chance, he's kind of not a household name yet, but he's played well when given an opportunity. He's absolutely huge for the position is Dallin O'Banton from the Toronto Raptors. I think he's a guy that if he could find the right spot and you got to get him away from Toronto first, but if he could find the right spot, all of a sudden he's kind of like the Bates Diop of the, this group where it is like, wow, he got how much, but then you're like, man, this guy can actually kind of play. Which player is most likely to be overpaid from this group? I think it, well, I'm going to give you, I'm just going to call it a three-way tie between the top three guys, Irving, Van Vliet, and Russell. I think Kyrie Irving, he's going to get a max, but the question there is how long is it going to be for and how long is he going to be happy with whoever gives that to him, whether it's Dallas or somebody else. Uh, Van Vliet, the question there is like, is he going to hold up as he, as he ages, he's now 29 years old. You're heading into, you know, the, the 30 barrier is no longer what it used to be for smaller guards, but Van Vliet's had a lot of injuries over the past few years. Is he going to hold up? And then D'Angelo Russell, he's just a weird player. It's where it's sometimes it's like, wow, you know, D'Angelo Russell's pretty good. And then other times you look at it, it's like, man, D'Angelo Russell just is just kind of out there. So it's, it's probably going to be those three guys where I think there's a chance um, whatever contract they get, it's like, and I kind of get why they got it, but I don't really love the deal. Yeah. My, my, my guess and intuition is Van Vliet is going to be the overpaid because of what he did towards the end of the season, he, he, he 
was making more of a name for himself, and he's going to be the hot hot commodity for teams to want to really shoot for. Yeah. But like you said, Irving, depending on the years, that could be uh, one of those that we really look at again and be like, ooh, wow. So, um, and, and, of course, anything Russell Westbrook gets above the minimum, people are going <laughs> to think is an overpay and a bad contract. And that's that's probably unfair and not really true because I think he's shown, like, hey, he still does have plenty left in the tank, but, but we all kind of know how that one's going to go. Yeah, I see him as more like a, a mid-level exception a team may want to spend on him more yep. than – little more than the minimum, but not giving too much where it could hurt the books. Yeah, my guess is we'll see, one, we got to see what it looks like with the new CBA rules and when are they going to phase in things like these teams lose the taxpayer mid-level and all that sort of stuff. My guess is if the Clippers have the taxpayer mid-level, they're probably going to give it to Russ or at least a good chunk of it and keep him right there because he's played quite well with them. My guess is you're going to say Banton for the player with the most impact on the right team because you sort of already alluded to that. But outside of him, is there another player that you think would flourish under the right team and the right head coach? Yeah, I think Dennis Smith Jr. has a chance to really be uh, something really special um, there. I think we're we're looking at this might be the kind of classic late bloomer situation. And then I'll use another, uh, you know, often used trope is point guards take a while to figure it out sometimes. So it it could be him. And then I like Ayo Desunmu too from, from the, uh, from, from the bulls. And then, I'm not ready to totally be out on Kobe White yet either uh, with the Bulls. I think just weird situations where they brought in other guards that fit maybe a little bit better where the team was trying to go. But I, I like both of those players, two potential restricted free agents too. So so we'll see. And the Bulls, I don't know. You, you could probably get at least one of them if you wanted to throw a decent offer sheet at them. Because Chicago, they're not going to want to invest too much money in the point guard spot, knowing they've got major question marks with Lonzo Ball uh, moving forward at that position. So, yeah, that, that's those are kind of the guys that jump out at me. All right. Last position that we posted, most recent, small forwards. Um, we've got, what, Chris Middleton in this group. Yep. We've got... Um, uh, pulling it up here. Let's see. We've got Kyle Kuzma. We've got Cam Johnson, Dylan Brooks, Herb Jones, Ubre. I mean, you, you've got a some a fairly good amount of names that could be out there that teams would want. Overall analysis from your end on the positional depth. Yeah, good. Again, quality depth at the top. Middleton the only all-star level guy, but then you've got a bunch of guys behind him that I think could really, you know, beat something. Kyle Kuzma's pretty good. He's had a really nice year. Uh, Cam Johnson is really starting to come into his own. I'm guessing it's going to be very hard except in an extreme overpay to get him away from, from the Nets as a restricted free agent. Dylan Brooks is probably, probably has far more value to the Grizzlies than he asked anybody else, just because he's just one of those guys where it's kind of, I don't know that a lot of teams are going to want to deal with the antics and all the other stuff out of him. Herb Jones, I kind of don't think he even makes free agency. I think what the Pelicans will do is because they can make him a restricted free agent next year in 2024. So they're probably just going to pick up their option, keep him on the cheap. But if they let him go, he's somebody that they're, they're going to have to be, careful with playing that game if they wanted to pay him a year early because they may be forced into something but yeah it's got good depth there's a lot of good kind of role players down down there's some veteran guys there's some young young options that could pop in the right situation so it's a fun group at the small forward group even if there's not a ton of uh super high-end uh top talent so most sought after by a team in this group I think it's probably going to be Kyle Kuzma because I it, it'll be him or Chris Middleton. It's It kind of depends on is Middleton really going to move or not. If he's going to leave Milwaukee, then it'll be him. But if there's a sense of hey, he's just going to stay, then it becomes Kyle Kuzma because I think what will happen is teams will say, 
all right, you know, that's a guy we can go get. We, we The cap space teams will be in the mix. Teams could be in the mix with a sign-in trade because it's not like he's going to be a max guy. So I, I, I think it's definitely them. I, I mentioned Cam Johnson, but he's just going to be too hard, I think, to get away from the net. So you'd have that has to be a cap space team that that says hey you know what we're gonna throw him 20 plus million and really see how much the nets like him it kind of go from there because if you you offer 12 to 15 million a year for cam johnson the nets match that all day long and move on especially where the cap's going so i'll go with kuzma just because i'm not sold middleton's leaving milwaukee yeah kuzma's in an interesting situation because he was extension eligible does he stay with the Wizards with the weird path that they're mm-hmm. going down, especially with Porzingis and all of that? So that's definitely a, a player to watch and read the tea leaves as we get closer to July. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and who, like you said, who knows what in the world is going on with the uh, with with the Wizards? It's it's it seems like they're just hey, let's let's uh, make sure we're the you know somewhere in the range of seven to twelve every year, and we're just happy to be be in that mix on occasion. And it just feels like they they're, they're just locking into a core group that I'm just not sure is ever going to be healthy and is ever going to win at a high enough level. Um. Most likely to be overpaid in this group. It, it's probably going to be Kuzma just because I think, yep, again, I the most gettable guy. I, I'm very, very curious to see what happens with Dylan Brooks um, and what, what do the Grizzlies give him because they've been very smart about their their contract structures and the way they've built that team out and they, they like to retain their own guys, especially guys they drafted and developed. So let's let's see you know where where that goes because it's only going to go so far so um, i'm curious so i think it's between kuzma and brooks yeah cam johnson is a, a very close third there because i think qualifying offer like you said before with him or you know he was that linchpin in that in the durant trade so uh he he's interesting yeah he's really really good too and he, he showed last year he could be very good um, and, you know, play a high-level role on a very good team. And then I think this year what he's shown is, hey, I can also do a little bit more with the ball in my hands. I can do some stuff. He bounced back from the injury with no issues at all. So he's a guy, too, where let's just say the Nets, I don't expect him, but let's say they press the, the, the Sixers in the first round. They kind of push them, you know, a little bit further than we think. That could be a guy all of a sudden where it seems like, huh, Cam Johnson, maybe we should you know, go a little further. All right, last one on small forwards here, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, player that you think will have the most impact if they are on the right team with the right coach? Yuta Watanabe. He has had an outstanding season, and I don't think enough people know it. He has uh, shot 49-44-72 shooting splits this year 44 percent from three and he's up this volume enough that it's starting to feel kind of sustainable he was at 40 percent two years ago um as he started to lift his volume some and then he didn't play much last year and then this year he's up to 135 attempts so you're starting to get to a volume level where it's like Merit, i kind of think like this could, could be real he's just an absolute hustle machine out there on the court he's all over the place uh you're doing whatever it is who's asked he he he's constantly in uh gifts and posters because he gets dunked on all the time but that's because he challenges everybody at the rim um so this guy can really really play and and i, I think he's somebody who deserves a lot more consideration um you know than than let's say someone like cam reddish who i think has had nothing but opportunities to show what he can do and is kind of in a lot of ways failed at every turn so uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Yuta Watanabe and I think there's a good chance you're going to see one of these really smart teams kind of come in and pick him off on a contract again these guys when I think of these guys I think these are the contracts where it was like how much and then you're like huh actually this guy's pretty good a lot of great stuff here this is uh for those listening this is what you can look forward to with our NBA Next podcast here, diving deep into these teams and the positions, uh, anything that's upcoming. What do we have to look forward to from you, Keith, as far as posts coming up? Yeah, so what we've got uh, coming here very soon, 
probably by the time a lot of people listen to this and they may be ready to go you'll have the uh you you will have the shooting guards uh coming out the centers will be out a little bit later this week that'll that'll do that and we're going to kind of continue to tweak and update those as option decisions are made and those kind of things uh and then team wise we're we're, we're just going to keep plugging along the the goal here is fairly shortly to have all the teams that are not not in the postseason uh up so we'll, we'll get to the uh, charlotte hornets are going to be co- coming up next uh then, then we're going to flow right into portland and uh washington indiana orlando utah dallas so that's kind of the order for now as teams get get bounced from the postseason they'll get added to that but but we're, we're we're cranking along we've got three of the 10 teams that are out up already well we'll start moving we just had to pause uh br- briefly to react to to a new cba <laughs> which was uh you know came with a lot more things than i think any of us expected but yeah i'm super excited to dive in and get all these things moving yeah, and if you haven't gone and listened to that pod or listen or read the article that's been posted, go take a look at that. Get yourself up to date. I know Mike briefly went through some of the highlights on his end on on the Spot Track podcast. So uh, thanks for everything you've done so far, Keith. Looking forward to next week and some posting some of these articles that are coming. Uh, for Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thank you for listening to the NBA Next podcast. <laughs>